apologies to Olive for this reading from Luke, because it contains a whole string of difficult names to read. Now, you're probably well aware that Luke was a doctor, so he was the, the only apostle, the, the only gospel writer, who actually had a scientific background. And his scientific background comes out in this reading because he's, he's very precise about the date, because he gives five or six different ways of calculating the date of when John the Baptist, the messenger, was sent to urge the people to get ready for the Messiah. At that time, when a king came to vis visit people in his provinces, and it was always a his, um, he always sent messengers or emissaries out in ahead of him to make sure the roads were in good condition. So you can see why we don't get many kings coming to Buckinghamshire these days. But it's interesting if you listen to the reading from Luke, not only does Luke say, uh, talk about mending the roads ahead of the, the Messiah, our king, he talks about straightening them and reducing the bumps in them, indicating that Luke thought the Messiah was not just a king, but the king. So let's listen from Luke chapter 3, the first six verses. Right, John. <coughs> Luke chapter 3. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of Judea, and Trachonitis, and Lysandrius, Tetrarch of Abilene, <coughs> during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of, the, of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth and all people will see God's salvation. This is the word of the Lord. So let's come to prayer. Let us pray. Let every heart prepare a throne and every voice a song. Come Lord, like fire to a fine precious metal, to purify our hearts and open our minds to your word of startling truth and gracious love. Amen.
I wonder if we are prepared, ready to be surprised this Advent season. December certainly has surprised me as how quickly it has come, this strange year coming to a close, and Advent with us caught me on the hop. But are we ready to be surprised, to find God at work where we assumed he was absent, to hear the word of God in unexpected ways and through unexpected people or in different kinds of places? Luke encourages us to be ready for surprises as we follow the story of Jesus and the story of his cousin John. It's as if he's saying right from the beginning, expect the unexpected. So our reading from the gospel begins with the messy world of politics and power. It's fascinating how Luke is so interested in this, in the power structures of the world, and especially the Roman Empire. When he began the story of Jesus, he reminded his readers about who was in power, the Emperor Augustus, who issued that census, and then the local king, the notorious Herod, with all his plotting. And when he introduces John the baptizer, and the story we heard today, he lists those in charge at that time, some 30 years later, Tiberius the Emperor, Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, and another Herod, the puppet king of Galilee, along with the other local kings, Herod's brother Philip and Lysanias. He wants us to give this setting with all its intrigue and tension because it's into this messy, conflict-ridden world that God is at work. It's to this world that God speaks his message of challenging love. This is the world that God so loved that he gave his only son. Luke adds the religious leaders too, the two high priests who were sharing the task in the Jerusalem temple, Annas and Caiaphas. And of course, later in the story, they fail to recognize Jesus for who he is and plot his death. They fail to accept the messenger described by the prophet Malachi as like refiner's fire, purifying hearts and souls to be pleasing to God. So here we have a world of power and conflict and tension. But having set the scene, Luke shifts our attention to a new place, to the wilderness, a place that has no civilization, no powers. God bypasses the corridors of power to speak to John, the son of Zechariah, a man who has no political power at all. And so Luke simply records, the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into the, all the country around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. God's power is very different to human power and human authority. It's a power that changes people inside out, that brings transformation 
and hope and new beginnings. What the word of God was for John is not made clear, but it came in the wilderness, in that space apart, as place, a place on the edge, silently, lonely and desolate. Yet a place also of divine encounter and renewal. And it sent John back into the country around Jordan to proclaim a new beginning for people's lives, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The word of God is fruitful. It changed John and then in turn, it changed many people's lives. This is the power of God at work, touching hearts and minds, turning people around, pointing them in a new hope-filled direction. Like the other Gospels, Luke uses words from the book of Isaiah to describe John the Baptist. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, clear a straight path for him. John the Baptist was an uncompromising messenger of truth and challenge. His confrontation with authorities led to his imprisonment and eventual execution, with his head presented on a platter at Herod's feast. And the way that he enters our Advent preparations, our preparations for the Christmas feast, can make us feel a little uncomfortable. He is a desert figure, a wilderness man. He's an Old Testament prophet transcribed into the New Testament, into the Gospel story. But all four Gospels recognise his importance, his unique ministry, challenging people to change to repent and that message of change, the possibility of change and the possibility of forgiveness and new beginning becomes a launch pad for Jesus in his own ministry. John's like a great trumpeter announcing the entry of the king, preparing all willing to listen for the arrival of Jesus. He did that 2000 years ago as he gathered people at the River Jordan and called on them to start again, to turn away from their sins, their past, and to turn to God's new life-giving way, the way of justice and truth and peace, the acceptance of God's rule in their lives. And in a sense, John continues to play that role today challenging us here and now to make ready for God's kingdom, make ready for the way of Jesus, make ready in our lifestyles and our priorities, our spending, our attitudes and our actions. John continues to be that wilderness voice crying, prepare the way for the Lord, clear, clear a path for God. That's a path that takes us to our own wilderness place, the place where we are challenged to turn round, to see life in a new way, and to know our need for God and God's saving love. We're bombarded with so much information, so many words, that we need space. We need those little places 
our stillness and silence, those places apart, be it physically or within our own imagination and hearts, but a place where we can be still and know God, a wilderness place where God has space to speak. And that path that John clears is a path through all the stuff that we accumulate, all the memories and information, all the possessions, all the relationships we have, all the plans and projects, all the successes and failures, all the gains and losses, all the hopes and fears, the joys and heartaches in our lives. John invites us to open a space for God in all of this, in all the messiness and complexity of modern life, to allow God's kingdom to grow, to grow in our midst and in our lives here and now. John is clearing a smooth path, a path that is for all humanity and all creation where the obstacles between people and their God are removed. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked, crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people, or all flesh, will see God's salvation. All people, all creation, all is such a small word, and yet it reaches out so far. It reaches out to those unexpected people and places and things that we dismiss. And all flesh and all creation and all people will see God's salvation. And that salvation is seen above all in Jesus, Jesus Christ. For John prepares a path, clears a way, a path that points to Jesus and ultimately is Jesus. Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. Follow him. And that path, that smooth path, takes us to a table. A table where bread and wine are shared and we remember Jesus. We glimpse God's kingdom that he proclaimed, a kingdom where all are fed, all are treated with dignity and care and love, all are made one in the love of Christ, and all can know that hope and peace that passes all understanding. Last Wednesday, our friends at the Methodist Church invited us to share in an Advent reflection on Zechariah's song. And there's another reflection this coming Wednesday, and do come if you can, it's online. Zechariah's song in Luke's Gospel is linked to the naming of Zechariah and Elizabeth's baby as John, an unexpected name. And the song ends with these words. A new chant will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high 
will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. May we walk that way, that way of peace. Amen. And let's pray together. God of grace and truth, we thank you for John, the man of the wilderness, challenging injustice, changing lives, clearing the way for Jesus. Stir up within us a living faith, a strong hope and a generous love. Above all, we thank you for your saving love in Christ Jesus, that's shown in gifts of bread and wine, broken and shed. We hold out that amazing love for our world, our nation with all its challenges, and our community with all its needs. We hold out that love for our neighbours and friends, our family and the family of your church. And in the quietness we lift before you those people and places that are on our hearts today. of grace and truth may your compassion bring healing your love overcome hatred your peace drive out war and your life renew all life to the glory of your name amen